Hi, welcome to the Savannah Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Dee Daniels. I'm also the communications director at Cliffmers Realty in downtown historic Savannah, Georgia. If you're a fan of our regular episodes, you know that we love to introduce you to people that are in the Savannah area or are planning to be in the Savannah area, choosing to be here. We love to tell their stories. And in telling those stories, sometimes we run across people and businesses and nonprofit organizations that have quite a unique story to tell, one that maybe pulls at the heartstrings. And that's why we've started a series called Savannah Speaks from the Heart. Recently, I was at a networking event on Tybee and was having a a really, really wonderful time. And I met this beautiful couple uh, who were there and slightly nervous about networking because, you know, who isn't? Um, And I got to meet them and hear the story of their daughter and their journey. And I could not wait to share this on the podcast. So I would like to introduce you to Anne and Joe Davis. Thank you guys for being here. I'm excited about this. We are so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you very much. It was, uh, I think, kind of kismet for us to meet at our networking event. And um, can we all just agree how awkward those are? I don't yes. care who you are. Oh, so awkward. <laughs> right? I've been to other networking events with other companies, and I just stand in the corner by myself. <laughs> yeah. This was definitely my first time trying to like get out and do things. And I remember walking up to you and being like, hey, the conversation lulled. I'm going to jump in here and be super awkward about it. Yeah, I loved your opening line, uh, (laughs) which, by the way, I I would like to encourage people to use. um, And I may steal and use at future networking (laughs) events. But you were very kind and walked up and and put your hand on my arm and said, hey, you guys look nice. Um, (laughs) What a great opening line. Uh, I forgot I said that, to be honest, but it it does work. It totally works. Yeah. And it's a compliment. So to start things off with a compliment it's like oh thank you um but it was really really nice chatting with you guys um and and i'll just say right out of the gate uh the more we chatted the more i realized um not only did we connect as people but Mm -hmm. uh, also you have such an emotional story Mm -hmm. uh, that i would like to share here and it's about your daughter Mm -hmm. hallie grace hallie grace yes so tell us a little bit about hallie grace and how her journey started and where and where it's gone okay um well the first thing i'd like to say is it has been a journey of less than a year So Hallie Grace was born June 5th of last year. Um, She is our second daughter. And for all accounts, we were going in to have a healthy baby. Um, We had no other inclinations. And so went into the hospital, expected to come home with a second healthy baby. Um, When she was born, they noticed blistering on her skin. And... We were just very lucky that we were at a hospital where they had seen something similar before. So they immediately picked up on it, took her to the NICU, um, which was unfortunate for me because I didn't get to see her very much before she went and was completely outside of my plan. Um, But I knew she was in good hands. And so they took her to the NICU. And then about an hour later in recovery is when the neonatologist came in and said the words that we now hate more than anything on earth, which is epidermolysis bullosa or EB. It's actually known as the worst disease you've never heard of. And I think my husband and I can attest that that is the most accurate statement ever. I I feel like you could have said those words to me like 25, 30 times, and Mm -hmm. I still wouldn't have understood it, like, or been able to pronounce it again. Um, 
And for your newborn baby to have something attached to something that you are like, no one really knows about this and can pronounce it and... How scary. I mean, terrifying. Um, and I can tell you just based on the doctor's face alone, like when she said the words, I knew immediately that this was not something good. She had that look of like, I do not want to tell you this, you know? And so nobody who just has a baby wants to have a doctor look like that when they say something. Um, and yeah, the words themselves are scary because they're, they're big. They're not able to be pronounced or something we had never heard of in our entire lives. And I was just like, what is that? I then unfortunately did some Googling, Mm. which is never a good idea. Never a good idea. Never a good idea. And so we heard from the doctors throughout the rest of our hospital stay, many different versions of this. Um, Some doctors said it's just a skin condition. And uh, other doctors gave us that look like, "Eh, we just don't know where this is headed. Um, So I had many panic attacks in the hospital. Um, for those few days. I can imagine. Obviously, Hallie was still away from us. Um, Since I had had a C-section, I couldn't see her for 12 hours because I had a spinal, so I had to wait for that to wear off. Uh, So it was just harrowing. It was a harrowing experience. Um, Joe was actually able to go visit her in the NICU before I was and able to kind of send me video as he was there, but it just wasn't looking good from the start. In those first few hours, it was the scariest um, I've ever been. I, yeah. I held back in telling Anne. So so after Hallie was delivered, you know, I get to go and see her as they continue to work on her, make sure she's breathing properly um, and all that. And, you know, straight away, you know, I, I see the blisters and, you know, I see um, that her fingernails are mm-hmm. long and folded backwards. And so we only had one other kid, and this, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, what's wrong? This does not look like our other daughter's birth. But then, you know, I was like, well, okay, I've only had one kid. Maybe this is like kind of a like a possibility with you know with with babies and delivery. I've never heard of it, but there's a lot of things you know you don't hear about when it comes to childbirth. So I just I kind of like pushed it off to the side, but you know. I didn't tell Anne what was going on initially because I didn't want to like scare her and freak her out. Every time I go would go down to the NICU to see her, it was just I had a lot of hope because I just because we were naive, we yeah. didn't know anything basically. So we had a lot of hope that things were going to be fine, but at the same time, you know what Anne is finding out through her Google searches and what she's finding out through uh, different um, Facebook groups mm-hmm. um, ends up being our worst the, nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Like I never, I've never cried so hard in my life. How much time was it, you know, kind of just take me a little bit through the timeline. How much time was it between, you know, there you were still in recovery mm-hmm. uh, after having Hallie and then you find out what's going on fully. No. So about a month, Mm. Um, because she did have to get genetic testing to figure out exactly what, well, to first confirm that it was EB, but then also to look at the type of EB, because uh, epidermal lysis bullosa has four main types. Um, Some are much more mild than others. Some it's just kind of blistering on the bottom of the foot or the hand, Um, much more like external 
type stuff. Others are very severe types, uh, like recessive dystrophic. EB is one where it shortens the lifespan to about 30 years, but they live in a lot of significant pain. Their skin is very, very fragile. Um, it can affect internal and external. Um, it really kind of depends on where the gene mutation is in terms of how it's expressed and how severe. Um, what we found out at a month was that Hallie had the rarest type and the most terminal type, which is called junctional epidermal lysis bullosa. And um, basically that one requires a genetic mutation from both sides, from both parents. Um, so it's very, very rare. It's about 5% of all EB cases. 90% of those with junctional are terminal in the first two years of life. So there's two types of junctional, severe and non-severe. 90% uh, are the severe type. And if it's the severe type, the baby is basically not going to survive. Um, our genetics, what we found out was I carry a gene that is actually common in both severe and non-severe types of junctional. So it told us nothing about her prognosis. And Joe's mutation is one that had never been documented before. So literally she is one in infinity. She's mm. one of a kind. Wow. Um, which fits her in many other ways. But um, so again, we had no idea what her prognosis was. We just knew that junctional was not good. Um, I specifically asked her dermatologist, is this a death sentence? And her dermatologist was very matter of fact with us, but also said, we don't know yet. So we're going to fight. And that's what we did. Mm -hmm. We yeah. fought. You know, I, I, I look at the names of some of these, you know, things that pop up and there are a lot of people who go through something that is under the category of rare. Yeah. And, you know, we have never heard of this and how amazing is it to think that the doctors can find that rare thing. It's incredible. Now I'm sure a month going by probably felt like an eternity. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine uh, the thought process that was going on. At what point in your journey there with the, the doctors did you get to a place where you knew the direction this was going? Honestly, probably not till the day she died. I mean, we knew, okay, so in my soul, I'm going to say this out loud, in my soul from the moment we heard EB come out of that doctor's mouth, I pretty much knew we were going to lose her. I had panic attacks about losing my baby. Um, I had thoughts about how we were going to handle it. And I remember getting mad at myself for having those thoughts. Cause I was like, we don't know yet. Why? Like, don't go there. But I just really feel like in my soul, I, I always knew that she was meant to be with us briefly. Um, but that didn't mean I wasn't going to fight for her life with everything in me. Of course. We had her seeing a team of doctors at three different facilities. So one here in Savannah at Memorial Health University Hospital, which was incredible. They had a case of EB about five years ago, so they actually knew exactly how to handle her. We had wound care. We had um, just her pediatrician was incredible with us. Um, we had a direct line to him, basically. Uh, the Medical University of South Carolina, MUSC, is where her main dermatologist was because that was a pediatric dermatology team. Um, she also had a GI doctor, an ENT, a whole team up there. Um, her dermatologist from there is the one that told us the genetic results and has since become our family. Um, and then we actually got her up to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia 
CHOP. Um, they have an EB clinic. And so they've seen over a thousand cases of EB and the dermatologist there was going to basically do a clinical review of Hallie and let us know kind of her thoughts about prognosis. We met with nine doctors the first day and then had another three the next day. And it was a good six hours each time. And so poor Hallie had a lot of exams, a lot of things that she had to go through, um, and handled it like a champ every time. Uh, but even they couldn't tell us whether or not this was going to end like that. They did. I remember them using the word challenging that her case was going to be very challenging, but because we didn't know anything about his, uh, genetic mutation and because mine could go either way, they just couldn't predict how it was going to end up. And it turns out that unfortunately hers was one of the most severe. I think there was, I think, I just think no parent ever wants to believe or can even fathom that their child will actually pass away. I think that there was so much hope because we didn't know for sure that she was terminal. And so neither of us wanted to give up. But looking back, I definitely think we both can see signs that were there. Part of the issue too, that I have to talk about is Hallie herself. Uh, Hallie herself was too strong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She never really complained more than a normal baby would, even though she was probably in excruciating pain. Um, So it was hard because when babies can't talk, it's hard as a parent to know what they're going through. And we were fighting for her to live such a long life that we didn't give her as much pain medicine as we would have had we known what was coming. We tried to, you know, not ruin her liver, not ruin her stomach. You know, like we, we didn't want to, we wanted to maintain most of her body. And so she held it so within herself. She just barely complained. The only complaining we ever heard was like, kind of like an acid reflux kind of complaint, like where a baby's just kind of like, eh, I'm uncomfortable you know, whatever. And we had her on two reflux meds and all kinds of stuff trying to avoid that because that can cause internal blistering if there's acid, obviously. Right. Um, so I think looking back, I think that's where a lot of our what ifs come from and a lot of our regrets come from and a lot of our guilt comes mm. from is that because she was so strong, it was hard to know that all of this was coming. The end, the reason that we both kind of knew this was not good. The, the moment for me anyway, was about five days before she passed. Uh, she started to make really horrible movements when we changed her diaper or did wound care. Like she would tighten her whole body really intensely and make like a really big grimace. And I'd never seen that before. And we actually thought she was having a seizure. Uh, so we took her to the ER and I got terrified that it was infantile spasms, which is also another fatal <laughs> condition. I was like, you cannot tell me this child has something else. Like, right. I just cannot take right. it. So we took her to the ER, and I remember the doctor saying, well, it doesn't really look like infantile spasms, but we're going to admit her. We're going to do an EEG. We're going to see if there's any seizure activity. So she was there for four days uh, before she passed, and they ran every test and found out her electrolytes were very, very off, uh, her iron was very, very low. Um, but other than that, she was not having seizure activity and the doctor's explanation was she was in that much pain. Mm. And that as a parent is 
This is the worst thing you can hear. Oh my God. It's devastating. It's heartbreaking. Like you don't come back from that. You have no control. You have no control whatsoever. And just to know that she got to that point and we didn't know it because she held it so much Mm. and she was so strong. Like it just kills you as a parent because you're like, what, how could I not have seen it? But really I, we didn't see it because she was so strong. No. And and you, and you get into, like you said before, you get in, you're in this mindset that, you know, your, your baby's going to make it. Yeah. And you're sometimes, you know, blinded by certain signs. Yeah. But I specifically remember the next morning, um, her breathing sounded a little bit better and her dermatologist from MUSC called to check in on her. And I said, well, she seems a little bit better. And I remember her dermatologist saying, is she better or is she tired? And that was my like, oh crap. And I just looked at him and I was like, we need to get her to the ER. So we called, brought her back in and she coded there. And that was it. That was when we lost her. And that was September 8th. That was September 8th. And how old was she? um... She was almost exactly three months and three days. Mm. She missed it by 33 minutes. I remember calculating uh, because she was born at 1249 and she passed at 1216. Well, the way you describe uh, the timeline of things, um, it sounds like it happened over 10 years. (laughs) It felt like it in some ways. Instead of three months. Yeah. You know, and I can't, I I can only imagine how that felt very slow and very fast, probably all at the same time, that dual feeling, conflict feeling. Yeah, because you spend, with with Hallie and, and with kids with EB, you spend so much time being their caretaker. Yeah. That it's really hard to be able to, you know, slow things down a little bit. There like, was no break. There, there, there was, there was no break. And, and I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but so, EB, I think you said, and um, affects the skin. All right, so there's a missing protein that doesn't allow the skin to basically hold itself together. So it's like the Velcro. That that, that protein is like the Velcro. Yeah. That holds in. So depending on where that gene is missing is determines where that Velcro is and how severe the wounds are. Um, and so any sort of friction and heat, you know, causes the skin to blister. So, you know, just the mere act of putting on clothes or for your child her. or holding your child. Mm-hmm. Um, putting your child in the car seat to go somewhere, mm-hmm. um, you know, so many different things can create a friction point that then creates a wound, you know. And, you know, I try and tell people that, you know, you, you think about a blister that you have somewhere, right? You know, on your foot, on your toe, somewhere that's constantly rubbing and how, you know, painful sometimes that can be, or just sometimes how annoying it can be but then think about for for in Hallie's sake you know think about that at the towards the end you know over 70 to 80 percent of your body is covered yeah in in a shallow open wound 
Which, which really kind of brings me to a place of, of understanding why the butterfly image is very much tied to everything that you guys are talking about. And that's something that I want to encourage people. Uh, you, can, you can find this story and Hallie's story and all that's going on on Instagram uh, as we're talking about it tiny butterfly warrior on Instagram and Mm -hmm. you can follow along with, with a lot of the things that were going on. A couple of questions, speaking of your Instagram and, and I've been kind of diving into that uh, Instagram account in the last couple of weeks. And, um, first this just, this is very fresh still. This just happened this past September. Yes. Um, so my question to you is how possibly are, are you both out in the public and in daylight and functioning? (laughs) And I, I don't know, I don't understand it. And I, and I, I would love to know how you're even able to talk about these things being, it's hard. Um, I'm gonna let you take it most, but let me get this out because, um, for me, I kind of, I guess I'll say, kind of stereotypical of a man where I don't want to talk about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of hold it in and, until I need a, t- need to let it out. Um, and, and then so, you go in the basement by yourself and close the door <laughs> and scream and cry and do the things. I, yes, I do. I do all the things. I um. I'll I'll just be perfectly frank. Um, I have some unhealthy coping me- methods, um, and you know, so that's one way I'm 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 dealing with it. Um, I personal like for me, outside of that, having Anne gets me through this every day because we're in it together and we create. A very safe space for us to, to mm-hmm. talk about this. The good, the bad. So many times Anne's needed to talk about it and I just can't. Mm. But I allow myself to be open to her conversation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Most of the time it works and, and, and I'm able to create that space for her to, to get that off even if I'm mentally or emotionally not there. And she does the same thing for me. And um, the other thing that makes it not easy, but able to tolerable, manageable, you know, how to just continue on with it day to day is this, the result is honestly the best thing for Hallie. Yeah. She was in so much pain and the life that she would have had is not a life that anybody wishes or wants. And I mean, if you just do the research on kids with recessive dystrophic who continue to live and their 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 skin and their issues just continue to get worse over time, you know, there's they're living a life of torture, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so. You know, Hallie, I do believe, chose to, to leave us. Mm-hmm. She, I think she knew it was her time. Yeah, she said, I'm here. I've done what I needed to do. 
you know, I'm I'm, I want to go back home. Hmm. You know, this is my home, but it's not my spiritual home. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to, I'm going to see you there. Hmm. And, and, and that's such a weird um, thing to, to go through is like, I am so saddened mm-hmm. so much of the day. But then at the same time, you know, she she's in a better place. This is the better outcome for her. As a parent, that's all you want. Right. And so, you know, you know you're super sad, but then there's relief. Yeah. You know, and, you know, how selfish am I to think, to have thoughts that says, you know what? You know, I don't have to do a three-hour dressing change a day. I don't have to do an hour, hour diaper change. You know, I've got time back to go do other things, you know. And at the same and, time, miss her like crazy. Right? It's... So, I would just say, um, Hallie is the whole reason <laughs> that we do this. Um, I said earlier that she was too strong. Mm. But I mean that in that she was the strongest soul I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, well, we're all crying. So <laughs> if we're all quiet for uh, a moment, uh, that's what's that's, happening. That's generally, you know. Um, no, she's just our inspiration. And I feel like, like Joe was saying, I feel like she volunteered for a, to open our eyes mm. to this and to, for us to continue to be her voice and be her legacy. And I know that like she was only three months old, but I can tell you as her parent, and I know Joe feels the same way. We knew her deeply. We knew her in terms of, I know her strength. I know her wisdom and I know her compassion. And this child, she was so quiet and observant and beautiful. And I just know that she would not want any other child to go through this. And so we do this to make her proud, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, the easier thing would be to sit in the house and cry. <laughs> Hide in the basement. <laughs> Hide in the basement, do scream, all the things, do all yes. the things, yeah. But I feel like I'd be letting her down. Um, I feel like she chose us for a reason and she just pushes me every step of the way. I, everything I do, everything I do in life now in life in general is to just make that child proud of me. While we're talking about the, and while we're crying, we might as well (laughs) talk about this. Um, you know, I brought up the Instagram a, a few moments ago and, um, we just celebrated mother's day mm. and I have to tell you, you were on my mind so much on mother's day. Well, D what are you doing? I know. Um, <sighs> I mean, I, you know, we have kids and I t- was able to talk to my mom and was able to talk to my grandmother and we, you know, I just, I, there were just moments in the day where I just held you in my heart and thought, thank you. I don't know what you're going through on Mother's Day, but I have a feeling that Hallie is embraced mm-hmm. by you on Mother's Day and embracing you. So I maybe if we can talk about it without crying too much, um, you know, how was that experience? Um, um, your first Mother's Day yes. with, without her. So I never held her in my arms on a Mother's Day. I had her in my belly last year and 
at that point, I never would have guessed we would be here. Um, it really opened my eyes to what Mother's Day is all about, not just in terms of myself, but just I have met so many grieving mothers. I have met people who grieve their own mother, right? Um, I think Mother's Day is such a bittersweet holiday for so many. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Um, with our first daughter, you know, my first Mother's Day was just all this beauty. Like I was like, oh, I'm a mom and I get to experience all this stuff and it's amazing. And I never really thought twice about it. Um, but now knowing all of these women who have lost infants, who have miscarried, who have lost their own mother, who have, you know, never been able to have children, like all of these, there's so many emotions around Mother's Day. Um, I really feel like I'm one of the lucky ones because I had so many people reach out to me that day and say exactly what you just said, which is such an important thing just to remember that I'm going through it and that Hallie existed is really all I cared about. I wanted just, I didn't want her to feel ignored or like for people to just congratulate me on Brielle, our older daughter. I wanted her to be included. I also have an amazing husband who planned an incredible day. Oh, incredible day. It was just, he kept me so distracted and busy in such a beautiful way. Um, and included Hallie in every aspect of it. Um, I have amazing parents that came out with us. So I got to spend the day with my own mother, uh, who also, by the way, is a mother of an angel. Uh, she lost my brother at three years old. So, oh, wow. yeah. So, um, huh, so it's been a day for her too, for a long time. Um, so I was able to connect with her on that. And basically we used a lot of that day. We did visit Hallie's grave. Uh, I got to spend some time talking to her myself, which was very healing, um, but we also went downtown and I wore a shirt with Hallie's name and Brielle's name on it. Loved that shirt. And on the back, as you saw online, it talked about, you know, a mother's love not being defined by the number of children that you see. Because I really wanted to bring attention to the fact that people are going through things that we have no idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, if their child can't be there, even if it's just that they can't get home from college that year, you know, it's hard to be apart. Or that we child. live in Savannah and they live in Virginia. Yes. That, right? It's, That's another reason. You know, it's that. Yeah. It's that whole feeling it's of you have no thing. idea. You have no idea. And yeah. everybody just thinks Mother's Day is like, oh, we could just, just celebrate mom. So I wanted to like bring attention to that. Um, we also took some pictures as a family, and I was able to hold Hallie's photo, so I know a lot of people downtown were able to see that. We left some Hallie's cards everywhere, you know, um, just kind of raising that awareness again, making me feel like I was including her, mm. helped me embrace the day. It was wonderful when it was over. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Well. And it's interesting that you, you bring up your shirt and with the, like, you really can't, you know, base everything on maybe how many children you see and, mm -hmm. and what you see, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but, and I hated that we waited so long to talk about this, but you have another, another daughter. Yes. And, and Brielle is, Brielle. is her name. Yes. She's three. She's three. How was, how is her experience with mother's day and, and, and I'm all sure of this? she's been on quite a roller coaster with you guys as well. She has. She is also a very strong little girl. Uh, Brielle is a character. Mm. She, yeah. <laughs> she is our joy every day. Um, and also frustration because <laughs> she's three. Well, she's three. Right. right. 
Um, so she's exactly as she should be. Yes. Oh yeah. She is exactly as she should be. Um, she is smart and feisty and independent and a love. She is so compassionate. Um, she loved Hallie. She was only two years and three months when Hallie was born. So she was still at that age, kind of not understanding what was happening. Yeah, I'm sure. And before that, uh, our joke was that she was queen bee of the house for Brielle, you know, but she ruled the roost. Uh, so we weren't sure how she was going to manage when Hallie was born. She managed wonderfully. Mm. When Hallie came home from the NICU at about a week old, um, Brielle, somehow immediately knew to be careful with her. Yeah. She was always gentle, always caring, wanted to help feed her bottles or bring diapers, you know, just essentially the perfect older sister from day one. Um, The only thing that is heartbreaking for me as her mom is that she was scared to hold Hallie. Yeah. Which makes sense. It does. Yeah. But I thought we would have enough time for her to grow into that. And we clearly did not. So uh, we have a couple of pictures of them next to each other. We have pictures of her kissing Hallie. We have pictures of Hallie being annoyed by Brielle <laughs> and her loudness. And then we have pictures a couple you guys will treasure forever, forever, yes, forever. Um, and then we've had a couple of pictures photoshopped together where they were holding, like Brielle was holding Hallie, oh, nice. um, so that I have something of that. But. I think that was the only heartbreaking part of it. Now, after Hallie passed, uh, Brielle has had a journey trying to understand what's going on. So we actually have her in play therapy um, with a wonderful therapist. And that has been a huge help. Um, Each developmental stage that she goes through, our therapist tells us that she's going to basically re-grieve because she's going to understand it differently Mm, at mm -hmm. each stage. Right. So there was a couple times in the beginning where you could tell she didn't understand it. And she would just talk about, I wish Hallie was here. Where's Hallie? You know, just kind of like that unawareness of what was going on since that time. Um, she definitely has talked about missing Hallie being sad. Uh, it kind of comes up out of the blue and takes my breath away oh, I bet. sometimes. Um, but we always allow her to talk as much or as little as she needs to. Um, we don't ever force anything on her. Our therapist has been very good about teaching us how to handle Brielle in those moments as well. So just kind of allowing her to grieve in her own way. Um, I do believe as she gets older, she's going to want to be involved in what we do. Yeah. You know? Like, I think she's going to want to help raise an awareness, and I think she's going to grow up knowing that she had a sister, Hallie, that is always with her. Yeah. Uh, we have taken her to the cemetery, so she knows that, you know, that's where Hallie's vessel or body mm-hmm. la- lays, but that Hallie is not there. And speaking of uh, Brielle being in therapy, I think it's also interesting and oh. mind-boggling <laughs> that you were also a therapist. Yeah. And... A trauma therapist. Yes. And I mean, I don't mean this for real, but I I also kind of want to phrase it this way. Are you giving therapy to yourself during all of this? Because <laughs> how do you go about as a trauma therapist? Uh, uh, you already obviously have a lot of tools to that's be able what I was to just pull gonna say. from. Yeah. So I use the skills that I would tell other people to use. 
Um, but obviously, yeah, I can't, I can't be my own therapist. Right. So I'm in therapy myself, which I highly recommend to anyone, anyone trauma or not. I feel like, you know, therapy, therapy's amazing. Therapy's so good. It's so helpful. Um, and luckily I had a good therapist prior to, so my therapist has actually watched me go through everything from the birth of Brielle to the pregnancy with Hallie, to the birth of Hallie, to the death of Hallie and beyond. So she has become a huge part of my life and just been able to see me through a huge amount of these things. Um, but yeah, I use, I use my own skills. Uh, it is a different viewpoint now. So I actually feel like, and I don't blame myself for this cause I couldn't have known, but I actually feel like I made some mistakes in my career when I dealt with children who or patients who had lost children. Mm. Um, I considered that a trauma, just like any other trauma. And it is not, uh, I have been through other traumas in my life, which I won't go into now. Um, but the loss of my brother being one and then all kinds of other things, including like car accidents and all that stuff. Um, but I have been through quite a bit of trauma in my life. And so I always thought, you know, oh, I can relate to them. That's actually why I wanted to do trauma therapy. I wanted to pay this forward a little bit. Losing a child is a whole other level. There's nothing like it. Um, the loss of my brother, I was seven when he passed and it affected my entire life and it has been a trauma and I miss him terribly. But this is just beyond. This is just, I really feel like I kind of did a disservice to some of my patients in the past because I didn't fully understand what they were dealing with. I mean, how, how would you? Right. You know? Which is why I can't possibly blame myself for no that. No doubt. No doubt. But I definitely feel like I have a totally new perspective. Uh, so if I were ever to deal with that again, which I can tell you I'm not currently giving treatment um, to anyone who has lost a child, but also I have a wonderful job who is got me on some reasonable accommodations so I don't have to do trauma work for a while anyway because I'm not mentally fit for that at this point and it wouldn't be fair to my patients right, right. Um, but yeah I definitely have learned a lot I bet I definitely have learned a lot and I think moving forward in my career when I am emotionally capable I do think that it will help me grow in ways and be there for people in ways that I don't think I could have possibly been there before. Oh, I I would totally agree. I mean, to be able to have someone walking beside you in a journey Mm -hmm. that says, I have walked in similar shoes. Yes. You know, granted, they will never be the same shoes, but I have walked in similar shoes. That feels, you know, totally different. Yes. You know, to be able to have someone um, do that. I, I feel very similar in that um, a journey with maybe a cancer patient. My mom has been yes. going through cancer for uh, several years and has just recently come off treatment. Mm-hmm. And so we celebrated our first Mother's Day with her uh, not in treatment, oh, that's um, amazing. which has been a wonderful journey. And um, But it's a scary journey. Mm-hmm. And I think about some of my friends who have gone through a cancer treatment or their parent has gone through a cancer treatment and I've tried to relate to them and walk with them in Mm -hmm. that it's interest. It's just so interesting how totally different it is. It is. Once you walk in a similar pair of shoes, Oh yeah. you can put yourself next to someone in a whole different way. Yeah. There's actually a whole poem that is well known in the child loss community called the ugly shoes club. Hmm. And it is all about that. 
um, walking in those shoes over time that the shoes represent child loss and meeting someone else who is in the same club that is able to understand it. It's like our ugly shoes might look different, but we still walked in those ugly shoes together. Right, right. And so you just become very um, close immediately with those people. You know, I mean, you just get to, you feel so connected to those people that have gone through something similar. Um, It's like right off the bat, you're just family. Oh, that's powerful. What a great way to connect. I want to talk about um, the action that we can all take. Uh, You know, I feel like... (laughs) Uh, it's it's such a it's such a beautiful thing, and I'm so grateful that uh, we've connected and that mm-hmm. we're able to share our stories with each other in such a way where we can bring light to something that maybe most of us didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, I can honestly say, as many many times as I have uh, spent in a children's hospital with my own family, and also raising money for children's hospitals uh, across the nation over the last 25 years of my media career, I have not heard the EB words very much. Um, And I, I didn't know much about it. And I never walked next to someone that I said, oh, you went through it. Right. Um, so this is a first for me. So I'm sure a lot of people are feeling something similar to what I'm feeling, which is what can I do? Yeah. Um, and there are so many things we so can do things. as a community and, and as uh, people in the Savannah area. Yeah. We've actually got an action moment date for you to put on your calendar uh, which is June 10th, and that's why we wanted to get this episode out uh, in May so that we could leave people with enough time yeah. to be able to do this. But let's talk a little bit about the Hallie Grace Memorial Butterfly Ball for EB, which is coming up on June 10th, and how everyone can be a part of it. Yes, gladly, actually. Um, this was an idea that came to me in the shower. Great Probably, ideas in the shower. Always. I'm telling always. you. Yeah. It's a good place to think. Um, but basically, just in my head, I was like, you're going to throw a ball right around Hallie's first birthday. And it's going to be for EB and you're going to raise money. And this was back probably in November. And so we had not started our nonprofit yet. Um, but that was another idea I had in the shower. <laughs> so then, then we became that. Uh, so the journey basically has been in March, we started the, um, heroes for Hallie grace incorporated nonprofit. Uh, we are officially tax exempt organizations. So any donations that we get, number one, hundred percent of them go straight to anything related to EB. So we have three missions. One is to raise awareness because you can't care about something you don't know about. Yeah. Number two is to raise funding because the cure is so close. They're actually predicting 2030 for a cure. Wow. So we're talking eight years. Yeah. We can see it in our lifetime. And it would not just be for EB, but over 7,000 other single genetic mutation disorders. So we're talking about affecting 10% of the population. Wow. Huge game. That's the world population. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people, and that's just the people impacted directly. That doesn't include family. Yes. Right. Um, so we want to raise funding because in order to get to that cure, they have to do research and we just need the funding to do the clinical trials. Um, and then the third mission point that we have is that we really want to directly connect with other EB families, um, people that have new EB babies, people that have lost EB children, 
Um, we want to provide resources, support, welcome packages, memorial packages. We want to be kind of their lifeline. Yeah. Um, because I remember for us, and I will get to the ball, I swear. Um, for us, when Hallie was born, one of the most helpful things that we found were other members of the EB community that found me on Facebook. I found a group, I found other moms. Um, in some ways that was scary because some of them had already lost their children, but in other ways it was support like no other. They have become an army around us. Uh, they have become family for life. And so we really want to fill that void in terms of like having something officially there. Yeah. So you don't have to wait for somebody to contact you. Like as soon as we know a baby is born, we can reach out to that family and connect directly. Yeah. That's important. So, so important. And so that's what the, the money is going to go towards whatever it is that we raise. Um, and then the other thing is just obviously that any donation that comes in now, for anyone donating also gets to have that be a tax deduction for them. So we're very proud that we were able to get all of that done as quickly as we did. Yeah. I was going to say that. That it was fast. That was a <laughs> wheels fast situation. And we don't know what we're doing. So yeah. I was super impressed with us to be honest. That's amazing. It really is. <laughs> and, and it's, it's one of those things where again, you know, you meet someone, you hear a story and you say, I want to help. But so many people stop there. Yes. Right. With anything. And they say, but I don't know how. Yes. So this is the how. This is the how. This is definitely the how. It's June 10th. Yes. Uh, and it's going to be at Savannah Station. At Savannah Station. Which is beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. So the thing about the ball that has amazed us is how many people in this community have stepped up to donate so that this ball, I mean, literally, we barely are having to cover anything. That's amazing. So anything we raise goes straight to this fund, this, this, um, goal, this cause. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, the Hallie Grace Memorial ball, butterfly ball for EB. Um, it will be in celebration of what would have been her first birthday. Yeah. So it will take a very devastating and emotional time for us and change it to some positive impact. Yeah. But it also will be educational. We're actually having her doctor from MUSC, the one that's like family. Uh, she's going to come and do a talk very briefly, but just so that people can learn a little bit more about what EB is and why we need to cure it. And then the rest of the night is going to be straight fun. Yeah, which is wonderful. <laughs> it's a really nice mix. Uh, you is. know, there's going to be dancing and music. Dancing and, and music. You know, we have a uh, band coming from Nashville the singer also named Hallie Grace. Oh, I love that. Yes. She will be debuting her new song called Tiny Butterfly Warrior, oh, written great. directly for Hallie. So, oh. you know, you get live music, you get a DJ, um, we're going to have food and drink. There's even going to be a signature drink called the Hallie Fly. Oh, fun. Um, there will be a live butterfly release, and people can actually purchase butterflies to release in memory of their own loved ones, or they can purchase one to release in memory of Hallie as well. We're going to be doing that. And yes. I'm so grateful that you're doing that. What an opportunity for people to have a, a, be a part of that butterfly release and yes. also honor someone at the yes. same time. Uh, so we're so excited about doing that and naming it for someone that we care about so much. And I, I'm just, I'm, I know it's emotional, but I'm also very excited to yeah. see everyone get together and honor someone in yeah. that moment. Me too. So that's going to be really cool. It's going to be beautiful. And we are going to live stream that on YouTube. So people will actually be able to say the name of the person that yeah. they're honoring, or if they're not going to attend, we can say the name as well. So whoever it is you choose to honor, happy.
Hallie or otherwise, we can make sure that that person is honored as much as possible in that moment. That's great. There's a silent auction, which yes. has got some amazing stuff donated. Yes. Like do we, we are, you say, know, do we have some teasers? On the yeah, we, we got some teasers. We've got a whole range of things. So there is definitely some stuff at the lower end of the bidding cost area, which is good for a lot of people. But then we have some very nice upper end things. We've got some attraction tickets. Um, we have got actually a swim at the sharks package at Georgia Aquarium. Ooh. We have got a custom $3,000 portrait. If oh, anybody wow. would like that to get oh, done. Goodness. We've got um, a dove hunting trip to Argentina. To Argentina, which I don't dove hunt, but I know family members that I have know gone of to, people. Right? Oh yeah, know of people who dove hunt. Right? If you and dove hunt, that's the place it, to be. That's cool. where you go. Yes. Just so you know, I mean, I've been told that all you have to do, you don't even know how how to shoot a gun. You just point the gun in the air and yes. shoot, and you're gonna come down with a dove. Yes. And then they pamper you while you're there. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Um, so lots of really, they have some art pieces that people are donating. Um, we've got a lot of like, you know, personal pampering type items like skincare and stuff, which obviously fits with EB and Hallie and everything she went through. But yeah, I think we're up to about 40 plus items now. So it's going to be quite a large silent auction. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. We are going to have a purple carpet instead of a red carpet because Hallie is associated with purple. Uh, but you can walk in, you can kind of dress yourself up with butterflies or purples and blues or glitter, sequence, whatever, like make it fun. Um, and you will get your picture taken by a professional photographer on the purple carpet nice. as you walk in. Uh, we will have a photo booth. Um, yeah, it's just going to be, I think, an incredible night. I'm already yeah. planning my outfit around the purple carpet, just so you know. Awesome. I'm, I'm set. Awesome. I'm ready to go. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, I, I also want to just take a, a quick minute just to thank uh, some of our sponsors for oh, the yeah. ball. Um, Which, again, crazy that you guys have been able to put all this together and so many people jumping on board. In just yep. a couple of months. behind it. Like, yeah. that's really awesome. So, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, uh, so we got Savannah Gazebo Weddings. Yeah. Um, is a sponsor. Um, Brielle's Preschool. Um, Wilmington not- Island United Methodist Preschool. They actually did a whole fundraiser for us, raised over $1,000 and released butterflies in Hallie's name. Oh, so nice. That preschool has been incredible to us. That's fantastic. Um, and then uh, just a couple like personal friends that have actually sponsored. Mm-hmm. Um my dad's company, which I can't remember the name of right now. Oh, I'll dad, have to ask I'm him. So dad. Sorry, dad. I'm going to post that online, Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but our vendors specifically, too. Savannah Station, um, I just want to specifically point them out because their venue is incredible. Um, it is one of the most sought after wedding venues. We actually looked at it for our own wedding and they have been incredible to work with. So kind um, for them to donate that is. <sighs> Beyond, I mean, because you can't have a ball if you don't have a location. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But also All About You Entertainment, which is the best DJ company in town, according to us. We also had them at our wedding. That's great. They're amazing. I think I've seen them out. That's great. They're great. great. Um, Not only are they donating a DJ and a photo booth, but and a monogram of our logo. Yeah. But um, the woman behind it all, our dear friend Cindy, has also been helping us plan. Mm. Um, She has been incredible. Uh, Beacon Photos is going to be our photographer, Michael Eddy, who is our dear family friend as well. We call him Uncle Mikey. 
trying to think of who else. Savannah Event Catering is donating. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think those are our big... They are. Um, so that is one way you can help because your ticket goes 100% towards this cause. If you cannot make it, though, you can still purchase a butterfly online at the ticket page. You also can still just make a donation. Um, again, totally tax deductible. So there are all these ways that you can help our foundation, which also then helps other big research uh, foundations for EB. So if you can't make the ball, you know, oh, you could also sponsor the event if you're a company out there listening and you want to figure out, you know, how can I best help this? We have sponsorship levels starting at $500. That's great. You know, it's definitely something that you can jump on board. Um, and we will put you in all of our materials and make sure that everybody knows that you're doing us a big favor. So lots of different ways that you can help out, but yeah, this is definitely our first big event. (laughs) Well, I I mean, for, to have all of these people involved and, and everything really already just rolling, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I want to mention again, if you would like to go to the ball, it's June 10th at Savannah Station. You can get tickets on the website, which yep. is HallieFlies.com. Yep. And that's H-A-L-L-I-E-F-L-I-E-S.com. Don't worry, I'm going to put the link on the Savannah Speaks podcast Instagram. You'll find it there. I'll also put the link in our show notes. So if you want to share this podcast episode, please do that. That way everybody can see how they can get tickets to the ball, which is coming up on June 10th. If you want to follow this wonderful family on Instagram, it's Tiny Butterfly Warrior on Instagram. And I got to say, you guys, I am so thrilled to help get awareness out about what's going on with this, but also uh, share the story of your beautiful daughter. And I know, I absolutely know after talking to you for this long, she is totally proud of you. Thank you so much. Well, you're going to make me cry right at the end, but um, we just want to say thank you so much. And we are incredibly glad to have met you. Um, I definitely think it was kismet that we met that night. Um, But this has been incredible just to be able to talk about her and get the word out about what we're doing. So we can't thank you enough. I'm proud to be a part of it. And, uh, and Joe, I'll be thinking about you mm-hmm. on Father's Day, which thank will you. be not long after the the ball. Mm-hmm. And you'll be on my mind. Thank and maybe you. you and I will figure out how to dove hunt that day. I don't know. <laughs> something. I mean, we can just sit and have a beer. We I'm good with that, too. Because that, <laughs> that would be... F- we'll just talk about dove hunting, drink a beer. It'll be a day. That works. Um, thank you guys so much. Hallieflies.com is the website. Mm-hmm. And check it out. And I hope to see all of you at the ball on June 10th. Uh, and Joe, thank you. This has been a real pleasure getting to know you. Thank this, you so much. I, I appreciate the honor and privilege to do this. Thank you. Yep.